Every single player who's come to Michigan State since 2007 has a ring on their finger. I'm going to be a coach here for a long time. It's not over. It's just starting. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. So you might as well just come out and say what you're, what's your feeling at some point in time, because you know I can only be diplomatic for so long. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, September 6th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode of Locked on Spartans. It is game day, sort of. Tomorrow's game day, but today's our game day, so (laughs) it's game day. We are previewing Michigan State taking on Western Michigan at Spartan Stadium, Saturday night, 7.30 BTN on your television. Uh, Yeah, we're previewing that the entire show, except for the first segment. Unfortunately, we have breaking news. I need to stop doing that. I did that with the story I wrote earlier. It's just tough to use a different word uh, aside from break. Jalen Naylor, Speedy Naylor breaks his foot um, and is apparently out for the season. I want to talk about the ramifications of that, and it will sort of mix into a Western Michigan preview because I do uh, have some thoughts on how Michigan State might line up the receivers, might use the depth chart, uh, starting with, of course, Western. After that, we'll welcome in Nick Buckley. Nick covers Western Michigan for the Battle Creek Inquirer. So he stops in for a little chat to preview the game, give us some insight on Western's team. And then the third segment, uh, I'll do you know keys to the game uh, key matchups to watch, how I think this one might play out, that kind of preview. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. Uh, also, real quick, I got a piece up at Spartans Wire. Um, depending on what time you listen to this, it's posting at 8 in the morning, spartanswire.usatoday.com. It's a film room breakdown of what Western Michigan likes to do on offense and and how they play defense and how you know Michigan State might be able to uh, attack them and how they're going to have to like what they're going to have to stop to uh, slow down the Western attack. So if you want to check that out, SpartansWire.usatoday.com. All right, let's talk about Speedy Naylor. Okay, so man, Michigan State just the the injury luck, injury bad luck really continues. Uh, after last season, we, we don't have to rehash what happened last year, but they go into the Tulsa game down Cole Chewins, down A.J. Arcuri at left tackle. That causes you know a shuffling along the offensive line where your best guard is now playing left tackle and you're bringing up backups, and we know how that went. So uh, after that, and of course, Anthony Williams Jr. misses a uh, really exciting true freshman running back that adds uh, a different dimension, different element of playmaking that maybe Michigan State doesn't have in its other backs uh, and could have been used certainly against Tulsa and as someone who I think and a lot of people think will be an impact player for Michigan State this season. So you're missing those guys already. Uh, you know, the injury luck is not going your way on offense. You need all the help you can get. And then in practice, Speedy Naylor breaks his foot and we have been, it was a rumor 
uh, Couch in the Rube confirmed it, Graham Couch's podcast, uh, and, you know, D'Antonio hasn't confirmed it yet, but it seems like Jalen Naylor is going to be out for the season with a broken foot. And that's uh, a really tough blow because he's a really good player. He's young. Uh, he was going to be taking strides this year. Getting him the ball more was a certain focus for the offense. And, you know, that just has to, to go out the window. So what do you do, right? What What is the plan for Michigan State to move on without him for the rest of the season? And there's a couple paths. And they're not all that dissimilar. It's nothing crazy, right? You're just replacing a guy. A um, couple things that I think they might try to do. The first is Larice Nelson just slots in right there uh, and takes the F receiver spot in Michigan State's offense, which is the uh, the slot receiver. And I think that might end up being the the way to go, the smartest way to go, just because he has some experience. Uh, he had some nice moments in the Tulsa game, had some nice moments last season when he was called into called into action. And, you know, he's a junior now. Uh, last year, you know, it's not totally, you know, it was an experienced receiver core last year. So the fact that he didn't get on the field a ton uh, until the injuries started piling up is not uh, a bad sign or anything like that. You know, you got to earn your way into the field, pay your dues. And I think this year, now that he could be thrust into a bigger role, he has the potential to break out a little bit. Um, he's very quick. You know, he's only 5'8", 170, or here, I got the thing right here. 5'8", 179, so he's a smaller player, really shifty, really quick, in and out of breaks really quickly. Uh, can do some of that underneath work, get himself open on a quick out, on a slant. Um, he got himself open on a corner route that would have been either a touchdown or first and goal from inside the five. Had Brian Lewerke not overshot him by a half step, uh, he got open on a crosser and got some good yards after the catch, um, like 13 yards after the catch or something. Along those lines, I don't have the specific numbers right in front of me, but did some nice things uh, against Tulsa and had some nice moments, like I said, last season, and I think is a good player. And I think does a lot of the things that Speedy Naylor does. Maybe he's not quite as fast top-end speed, Maybe his hands aren't quite as good, um, but the quickness, I think, is pretty even there, and, and he's a shifty guy. He's someone who, in the spring, uh, a lot of players were like, hey, he's he's taking a step. He's someone who's making people miss regularly. Uh, we saw that a little bit in spring ball, and just the, you know, the positive words about him lead me to believe that he might just be stepping into that starting slot receiver role, and you know, he played the most out of the backups, uh, he saw the field a decent amount against Tulsa, so it's not a major stretch to, uh, you know, slot him in the, the starting role there with the offense, the other way they could go is you could kick Daryl Stewart back into the slot, uh, into the F spot, which he played uh, last season and the season before, so he's got experience there. We know he can do that job well. Uh, and then you you vacate the the Z spot, the other outside wide receiver, wide receiver outside of Cody White, opposite of Cody White. And you know from there, it's either Julian Barnett or Cam Chambers. And Cam Chambers has been interesting because D'Antonio said he's got an injury, but wouldn't get. It was very vague. You know, we'll see him this season. At times, it was just, it was weird the way he kind of talked about it. So we don't totally know what's going on with him. If he was healthy, I would say he could slot into the starting spot because he has experience. He's made big plays, uh, is a good depth piece for sure. And I think, you know, with an increased role, it could do a good job. 
but we just uh, I don't know what to make of that injury situation. And then you've got Julian Barnett, who is uh, a true freshman, played some snaps against Tulsa, not a ton, didn't get uh, involved in terms of targets or catching passes, uh, but is a consensus top 60 recruit, uh, is someone who is regarded as an explosive athlete, someone who can play all over the field and make big plays, go downfield and, and take the top off the defense, that type of guy. And so he's interesting, at least, and I think Either way, even if he doesn't end up starting, you're going to see an uptick in snaps for him. Um, maybe get thrown into the fire a little bit earlier than they had planned. But you know, when you got a a guy like Naylor going out, you got to get some playmaking back in that offense, back in the passing game. And Julian Barnett profiles at least as someone who could do that, and also could be someone who uh, factors into the return game as well. I think Cody White's going to return punts. Daryl Stewart. Uh, is listed as the backup kick returner, so he might get that that first shot there now that Naylor's out. But Barnett very realistically could see some time back there. You could see Connor Hayward as well. He's done that in the past, but I think they want a little bit more speed in that regard. And so that's somewhere where Barnett could get his hands on the ball in an easier situation. You know, just catch the kick and go and follow your blockers and make a play where he could get a little bit more of a taste. And when we can see, you know, what is this kid about? What does he bring to the table at the D1 level? So those are the two main ways. I think they're just going to slot uh, Luis Nelson into that starting role. I think he, he's shown enough last season, the spring against Tulsa to have earned that chance. Um, and I think you kind of see an uptick in snaps for different guys, uh, including Julian Barnett, Cam Chambers, when he's healthy and able to play, whenever that be, may be. Uh, we could see someone like C.J. Hayes or Trey Mosley play some Z receiver as well. They're Cody White's backups. Uh, C.J. Hayes got some snaps last week. I don't think Trey Mosley did. He's a true freshman that they like, uh, but didn't really. I don't think he saw the field at all in the opener. So it sucks. It, it definitely hurts the offense. But if there's one sp- one spot Michigan State's offense can can withstand an injury, it's probably that receiver group because there is some depth there. There's plenty of talent. Uh, and just kind of, you know, one through eight or nine, you can really go through and, and have a good group there and feel good about getting three guys on the field. All right, we'll take a break right here. When we return, we'll be joined by Nick Buckley to talk about Western Michigan. But first, a word from No House Advantage. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, they have player prop contests. Their platform levels the playing field, so you have a higher likelihood of winning than when you play on traditional fantasy sport contests. Each contest contains anywhere from 5 to 10 player props. For example, will Brian Lewerke throw more than two touchdowns? You simply select over-under for each prop and rank each pick based on your confidence of it being correct. Simple. You earn points based on correct picks, and then you compete against other players in your pool for cash prizes. I'm telling you guys, it's an extremely fun daily fantasy contest to play, and you can actually win money. No House Advantage offers contests across college football, NFL, MLB, NBA, college basketball, PGA, and NASCAR. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code LOCKEDON to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. That's code LOCKEDON to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. Certain state limitations may affect your ability to participate in paid contests. 
All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. I am pleased to be joined now by Nick Buckley. Nick covers Western Michigan football for the Battle Creek Inquirer, which is part of the USA Today Network. Nick, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for joining the show today. Oh, I'm doing great. We're going to be talking about football, so can be better. <laughs> yeah, um, let's get right into it. Western Michigan is coming to East Lansing to play Michigan State. These two teams are familiar with each other. have played a number of times uh, in the last decade, really, too. Um, let's start broad. What type of team uh, is Western Michigan fielding this year? They had a nice win over Monmouth, who is an FCS team, a lower-level team, um, but still looked good uh, and have some pretty high expectations coming into the season, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, week one, you kind of take with a grain of salt because it was an FCS school in Monmouth, but in terms of how you look against FCF school, that's about as good as you can look. So uh, Western was really impressive. <clears throat> they start the season with, uh, you know, hopes to contend for the MAC championship. They were picked to finish second in the West Division this year. And so they're very much uh, league title contenders. And, um, you know, they, of course, are looking for an upset. They're, they're going to come in as big underdogs in the East Lansing. And, you know, they have maybe a little bit better than a puncher's chance. And, uh, you know, it's about 10 years ago now that Central Michigan rolled in with Dan LeFever and Antonio Brown and shocked East Lansing and shocked the world <laughs> with the, yeah. the win in the in-state matchup. So, um, obviously, it happens. It happens every year. The MAC knocks off uh, Power 5 Conference School. Um, you know, you saw what happened to Tennessee last week. You can't really sleep on anyone in college football. Um, but yeah, you have to give, uh, give Western some credit for the talent they have, uh, after PJ Fleck left for Minnesota, uh, they remained at the top in terms of recruiting in the Mid-American Conference and have been really competitive for a lot of these players with some power five schools. Uh, that said, there's not a whole lot of guys in Western that got interest, let alone offers from Michigan state. If they did, they'd probably be there. So mm -hmm. there was a little talent disparity there. Uh, but uh, you know, Western certainly has the pieces. They have some guys that should be playing on Sundays uh, next year. So, um, you know, Michigan State, obviously you can't think this one's in the bag before they uh, before they play it on Saturday. Yeah, they. I don't think they will just based on what happened week one. They didn't play very well. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of the media stuff with Antonio, but like uh, it seems like it's going to be a grueling week of practice for Michigan State and they should be <laughs> ready to go. And they know better than to overlook a team like Western, I would think. Uh, let's talk about some things that Western does uh, really well. It seems like that passing game is pretty explosive. Uh, you've got John Wasink back there at quarterback, and then you there's a bunch of receivers. The tight end's good. Um, and it seemed like, man, they lost some guys to transfers, uh, attrition, graduation in that passing game, but they haven't skipped a beat, have they? Well, at least in week one they didn't, and uh, you know some of the credit has to go to a, a really good offensive line. Uh, Luke Tariga at the center, he's one of those guys I mentioned that will be playing on Sundays. Mm -hmm. um, so they've given Wasing time, and the receivers are, are relatively unproven. The guys they have, uh, so obviously, Jaden uh, Reed is a guy that was a freshman All-American last year, and then he uh, entered the transfer portal, and he uh, wound up in East Lansing. So he'll be uh, expected to be watching from the sidelines for Michigan State on Saturday. Um, he was a guy they had real high hopes for this year, and then their other returning leading receiver is the cornerback, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, which they think that's where his best future lies and that's where he'll make the biggest impact on the team. And he might also uh, play both ways and, and uh, run a few routes again. Um, but the rest of that, that group is relatively unproven. Uh, Jalen 
Hall was a guy that stood out last week. He had a one-handed catch against Monmouth. That was the mm-hmm. number two play in Sports Center top ten. Um, so he's got some talent. He's six four, and he can run about a four three forty. Uh, Deshaun Bustle, the guy, is a redshirt freshman who had offers from Power Five programs like Tennessee, uh, and he exploded for ninety plus yards uh, just in the first quarter alone last week. Um, and then the guy like spraying the ball around right now, John Watson. He's the fifth-year senior quarterback. Had two seasons and prematurely with injuries, so he missed the last month of last season with a broken foot. Um, and uh, obviously, he's he's eager to come out and put on a good show. I don't think he's going to be the same quarterback that was in East Lansing uh, two years ago when Michigan State came away with a two-touchdown win. So uh, he's capable of uh, if Michigan State tries to take away the run. Um, which I imagine they will with Levante Bellamy in the backfield. Uh, you know, they're going to put the pressure on Wasink to, to get rid of the ball quickly and to spread the ball around. And Giovanni Ricci is the, the tight end that they have that's a, on the Mackey Award watch list. Uh, he gained about 30 pounds this offseason, so he's filled out. He's a converted receiver, and I think he graded out as the top tight end in college football for week one. He had about 90-plus yeah. yards. So he's a really talented guy, and uh, he's catching a lot of eyes. So offensively, they can move the ball around, but really the, the straw, that, straw that stirs the drink is Levante Bellamy. He's their senior running back, has a 4.2840 speed, which would make him one of the fastest, if not the fastest running back in college football. So um, obviously State uh, did pretty good against the run last week, and I imagine they're going to um, do more of the same against Western, and Western knows they're in for a battle for every inch on uh, Saturday. But, um, you know, Western has the pieces up front. They have, uh, you know, a really explosive running back and then an experienced quarterback. And those are all recipes for, you know, offense that can get things done. Um, but I think, you know, the difference in this is uh, on the other side of the ball where um, Western Michigan has a pretty experienced defense, especially in the secondary um, but they kind of lack the size, especially up the middle, to hang with these uh, these big, beefy Michigan State interior yeah. linemen. Uh, that's that's been you know the kind of the calling card for these group of five programs against the Power Five teams is uh, you know it, it kind of is one in the trenches. And Western lost their big uh, starting defensive tackle uh, to a preseason injury, and they also lost their uh, incumbent starting linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, who's all of 250. They lost him. Uh, he's academically ineligible. So they're a little bit lighter up front. They like to think that makes them a little quicker too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what bag of tricks D'Antonio has this week. I know Sparty Nation was not too happy. It felt there was a lot of meat left on the bone last week uh, against Tulsa. And um, so they'll be eager to put on a show in East Lansing and uh, fire up that crowd under the lights. Tell me uh, a little bit more about this run defense because that is right now Michigan state fans are very nervous about their ability to run the football. And I was watching Monmouth and Western a little bit and it looked like, just like you were saying, like Monmouth, you know, they got behind so early, but they were able to get some sort of push and generate a run game. You know, Guerrero had some really nice carries there, had a really nice touchdown run, but they just got so far behind that they kind of had to abandon it and ended up throwing the ball 42 times. Uh, is that kind of what you saw too? Like, you know, Monmouth did have their way a little bit with Western's front running the football. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the stats. I'm sure the yards per carry was pretty decent. And yeah, it was four point uh, seven. Right, it might have been. The, it was probably the uh, a combination of the nature of the game, but also um, Western Michigan. They're kind of going away from a type of defense they played the last few years. Uh, this attack four three, 
Uh, last year, I think they were one of the most aggressive teams in the country, and they were yeah. really uh, throwing a lot of blitzes out and pre- trying to pressure quarterbacks into making mistakes. Um, but what it did was left a lot of their corners on an island, and uh, a lot of those guys didn't really have the experience yet. So uh, some teams kind of figured it out, and by late in the year, that's when Western kind of went uh, – obviously, Wasink being down played a big role, but uh, the defensive inability to, to slow anyone down – uh, cost their former coordinator his job in a, in an in-season firing last year. Lou Esposito is their new defensive coordinator, and uh, I think the guy's like playing for him, and he's kind of trying to trying out different things and had to make some adjustments as uh, as attrition kind of has hit. Um, but they do have a lot of talent back there, and uh, especially in the secondary, they're about six deep uh, with a good rotation of safeties and uh, linebackers that might be a little light, but they're they're pretty experienced. Najee Clayton is a Rutgers transfer. He's the one that's going to be starting a middle linebacker, um, but they could be moving him all over the place. And Drake Spears is a linebacker that uh, led the team in tackles last year. So they still have a lot of experience. um, But yeah, without the big, you know, 290, 300 pound defensive tackle tackle in there. um, And, you know, what Western shown in previous years, uh, you know, against Michigan last year at the big house, uh, Michigan kind of just had their way and uh, a lot of it was just kind of simple, you know, zone reads and, and runs up the middle and uh, they just kind of overpowered the Broncos. And, um, you know, I think that's probably a good recipe for D'Antonio. And I I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Michigan State comes away with a win, but fans aren't happy again with the with the play calling um, because you just kind of you go to what works and sometimes it's not always sexy. But uh, I think uh, this game is, uh, you know, it's going to be a good measuring stick for Michigan State coming back after the win um, to kind of show what their offense is capable of. And for Western, you know, I think they'd like to make keep it competitive and, um, you know, keep it a close game. But really the, their better matchup is maybe down the road to another ranked team in Syracuse, which, you know, plays yeah. that up tempo offense. So uh, it's not a great matchup on paper for Western, but, um, you know, upsets happen and it's, the beauty of college football you can't really sleep on anyone and hopefully uh you know they come out no matter what I think uh, both teams are going to come away pretty sore after Saturday I think I read this uh a couple days ago when I was reading about Western I think they blitzed most in the country like blitz rate last year and just watching Monmouth that game like yeah Western is still blitzing a ton so that's going to be interesting to watch and I promise you if Michigan State has a boring game but rushes like 40 times for 200 something yards like Michigan State fans are going to be very happy with that result. <laughs> uh, last question here, and then we'll get you out of here. What do you think are just like the big keys to this game? We've gone over some so far, but if you had to just point out one thing, like what do you think decides this game? Well, it's like so cliche, but like special teams is is such a big part of the game, and it's a facet that you don't think about a lot. Western didn't even have to punt the ball last week, so that's part of their game we still have a lot of questions about. Um, but they did have some answers with their kicking game. They have a Brazilian uh, student, uh, Brazilian uh, Juco transfer in Chago Caps that hit a 45-yarder and uh, also made all his extra points. And uh, they'd like a little bit more, bit more from him on kickoffs. They felt like he uh, he didn't boot it as far as he could have last week. Um, but then the kick return is really where you might see a difference maker in Keith Mixon Jr. He's the transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, he was uh, in the top five in the SEC in kick returns last year. And then when he came out against uh, Monmouth, he had a, a, a kick return of 65 yards. And he mm-hmm. also had a punt return where uh, I think we counted he broke seven tackles. So he's got a lot of shifts. And he's also one of the fastest guys on the team. 
Um, so, you know, Michigan State, last last time these two teams played, uh, didn't really pay a whole lot of respect to Darius Phillips, who had a previous kick return for a touchdown against the Spartans, and he came out and he had another one. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what they do with Mixon if, uh, you know, if they're going to test him and, you know, it's an early season game and, um, you know, D'Antonio might want to see kind of what his coverage unit can do, but, um, I wouldn't want to roll the dice based on just my one game seeing, uh, this Mixon guy. He's, he's pretty electric and there's a lot of buzz in the crowd. So special teams is, you know, easy as a cop out as that is, it's, uh, you know, it's always a key part of the game. And, Western's close is probably going to be because they got a big play or some consistency out of their uh, special teams. Yeah, that is one spot where Michigan State is going to have to be cautious with Keith Mixon Jr. Uh, like you said, transfer from the SEC, had a quote <laughs> in the media about how he's sort of, you know, coming from the SEC. Uh, he's used to playing against teams like Michigan State with that type of defense. And he is really interesting, explosive return man. So that is certainly a spot to watch. All right. He is Nick Buckley. Uh, covers or covers Western Michigan football for the Battle Creek Inquirer. Nick, thanks so much for the time and the insight. We will uh, catch up with you down the road, okay? Appreciate it. All right, we are going to take a quick break here. When we get back, I will give you some keys to the game and how I think this sucker might play out. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use code LOCKDOWN to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. That's code LOCKDOWN to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. And today's show is also brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Guys, if you want to get to the game, I've been telling you, if you want those tickets to Western Michigan visiting Spartan Stadium to take on Michigan State. you got to check out Vivid Seats. Get them there. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app and you will be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100. To receive a discount of up to $100, make a memory that lasts a lifetime, and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked On Spartans. Let's uh, finish this sucker up strong, huh? So, keys to the game. Um, there's a few of them that I think are going to be really interesting to watch. The first thing is... Uh, Michigan's it's boring, but it's Michigan State's offensive line against Western's D line, and so Western's D line is not as big as Tulsa. Uh, they're fast, they're athletic, but they're not big, and they run a four three instead of a three three five. And sometimes a three three five can end up like a five front, uh, and it ends up with eight guys crashing the line of scrimmage on run plays. And Western just doesn't do that. There's going to be less meat if you will, in the trenches this game than there was against Tulsa, just based on scheme and based on Western size. And so 
Western does a lot of things really well on defense. One thing they're maybe not the best at is just kind of lining up and going at you and, and being bigger and, and more physical, being tougher. And that's a spot I think Michigan State will have an advantage on. Monmouth, who's an FCS team, uh, was able to push Western's front around a little bit. Western got way out in front. They're up 21 nothing in the first quarter, and Monmouth had to kind of abandon the run game as the game went. Uh, but they still went for nearly five yards of carry. They had some big runs, uh, and they were able to do it with power schemes, which Michigan State really struggled in power against Tulsa. I think they'll be able to find more success with those runs against Western, but I do think they also need to mix in more spread stuff. They need to mix in zone runs, and then the you know the counters, the RPOs, the zone reads that are built off of those schemes. That's going to be really important is getting that run game going, and that's something to watch uh, because... Man, if Michigan State's front can't move around Western's front at all in this game, we got real issues. It's also, I think you can excuse because they've got some good players on that front. It's a weird defense. The nose guard um, 93 player is really good, really good player. Um, And there's no one on the Western front that is as good as that guy. And so this is a spot where Michigan State should be able to run the ball. Uh, the other thing to watch is the the Western passing game. They're going to take some shots. They really like their passing game. They're breaking in some new pass catchers, but um, uh, Bustle is the true freshman's name, and you know he had a really nice game. He had like 100-something yards. The tight end is really good. Uh, they have a deep passing game. They like to take shots, uh, and their quarterback can, can spread it around a little bit. They got a handful of skill guys that are really talented, and they got a quarterback that does a good job getting the ball around. Michigan State's going to have to get pressure to try to slow that down for sure. And Western, you know, it's a MAC offensive line, um, but they're good. They're seasoned, they're experienced. I think they bring back four or five starters, uh, and they have a center who, uh, as Nick just told you, as uh, a potential NFL player, you know, it's a good front. And uh, Michigan State's going to have to work really hard on defense because Western's going to use tempo. They're going to go spread. They're going to try to spread them out. They got Bellamy, who's really fast, and the front's going to have to do their jobs. The linebackers are going to have to do really well in run fits, and the secondary is going to have to make sure that uh, those play-action passes, those deep shots that Western like to take, aren't hitting home. And they're going to have to do that while maintaining their ability to support the run Uh, because Western's going to try to run the ball, and when they're not successful, they're going to try to throw deep. And so... It's going to be a tough night. It's a good offense. It's not a good Mac offense. It's a good offense that Western is bringing to the table here. As for how this one plays out, um, I do think Michigan State finds some success on the ground. I think they look more competent on offense. I think they try to push the ball uh, down the field a little bit more in the passing game and with Western's aggressiveness because they are they blitz. They blitz a ton. They blitz on first down, second down, third down. They love to blitz. Michigan State is going to be able to get the ball out quick, I think. Try to deal with that pressure by throwing into it, which Monmouth had some success with. And the playmakers they have at receiver and Anthony Williams Jr. is apparently going to be back. You know, guys like that make a man miss and you can go for huge plays on this defense. And I think Michigan State will be able to get some of those. I think they'll be able to stop the run. Uh, Western, I think, will hit some pass plays. I think they'll get a big play or two in the pass game, maybe a deep touchdown. Um, they're they're just they're really explosive, and I think they can sustain a couple of drives. They're going to go to that quick pass game. They're going to use tempo. 
Um, I think running the ball is going to be tough, but Bellamy's really fast. <laughs> he runs like a 4-3. Um, and so maybe he can get loose a couple times and, and hit some big plays. So I think Michigan State comes out with a win here. I think it's a little closer than we would like. 28-14, 27-13, to 27-10 maybe. Something along those lines. The, touch, uh, the, the offense gets a few touchdowns and a couple field goals. And Western is able to cash in for some big plays. Um, but ultimately, the talent discrepancy is just too much. And the Michigan State defense is able to hold Western at bay uh, for much of the game. And I think a, a thing that's not going to be talked about a ton, but I'm just going to mention it here real quick, is I think Michigan State has a big special teams uh, advantage going into this game with their coverage units, with Jake Hartbarger being back to form. Um, you know, losing Naylor is certainly tough there, but I think Cody White, Daryl Stewart, maybe Julian Burnett, whoever they throw back there, uh, can do something in the return game as well. So I think Michigan State has enough advantages in this game to win it somewhat comfortably, uh, but not as comfortable as we would like it. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans all week. Uh, I really appreciate it. This is the best week the show's ever had. It's like three straight days of like the last three days have been the three most listened to days in the history of the show. And that's really cool. Um, Can't thank you guys enough for tuning in every single day for this show and all the kind words. I've gotten some really nice messages. I appreciate all of that. So that's it for today's show. We'll be back Monday. We're going to recap the game. Of course, all the things that went right, all the things that didn't go right. Hopefully there's not a ton of those. Uh, And we'll just, you know, dive back into another week of Michigan state football. So, We will uh, see you then.